This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, we're going to get into the word for tonight. The title tonight is this, Excuses. Who's got a good excuse? Yeah, come on. Woo! Excuses. Uh, and, and we're also going to be talking about uh, the, the cousin to excuses. His name is procrastination. So we've got excuses and procrastination. And I believe this is a word for all of us, my dear self included, because we're all guilty. And I know this much, when it gets hot and then when it gets humid, I get pretty good at making excuses for not wanting to do anything. Is there anybody else in the house like that? I, I mean, I'm like, it can wait till another day. It doesn't really need done. Do the kids really need to eat? I don't know. Because it's hot and miserable. But you know what? Uh, we, 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 there's, there's some stuff here we need to see about this tonight. And I know all of us at some point or another, we've made excuses for why we've done things we shouldn't do. Or we've made excuses for why we haven't done things that we should do. Either way, we all, at one time or another, are, uh, are, are, are guilty of making excuses. And there's one question that I usually ask the men at the men's meetings whenever, whenever I do it. I don't, I don't usually do the Bible study at the men's meetings too often, but when I do, I, I ask this question, what separates the men from the boys? What separates the men from the boys? And there's a lot of answers to that question. But one thing that I found out is that as a grown man, some of the excuses you used when you were a kid, you aren't allowed to use those anymore. Because guess what? Your wife and kids don't care if you don't feel like it that day. You've got to get up and put your pants on and be a man, right? And it's the same way as a Christian, Okay, the further that you grow in the Lord, there's some things that when you were, a, you know, a, a new Christian, you were a rookie, you were a baby. I mean, you just you, you didn't know any better or or maybe you just genuinely didn't know uh, the truth on that matter. But as we grow in the Lord, we should start getting further and further away from making excuses and living a lifestyle of excuses and procrastination. And, and, and that's one sure sign of immaturity. Somebody that makes excuses and procrastinates all day long, that's an immature person right there. You can see that one from a mile away. And so we can apply this to any area of our lives, okay? Any area, but for sure we can apply it to our spiritual life. For sure, we need to examine our spiritual life tonight. And I like some of the Benjamin Franklin said. I like his picture, too. If any of you got a picture of him, hand that to me after service. I'll take that off your hands. But Benjamin Franklin, he said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. He that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And so I believe... We got a word from God tonight. Let's go ahead and pray and we're going to get into this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, so much uh, for your word, Lord, and that you have given us your holy written word. It's sitting right on our laps tonight, Lord. We are so fortunate. We are so blessed that we have the very word of God in our language that we can read and understand right here, Lord. It's an honor and it's a privilege. I pray tonight that as we open our Bibles, that we'll listen to you and we'll take your word seriously. We'll respect it. We'll honor it, Lord, and that you're going to change our lives with it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. So number one tonight is this. The first thing we're going to say is this. Number one, don't play the blame game. Don't 
play the blame game. And I think, you know, we see little kids do this, right? I mean, you could see one of them's, you know, got a, uh, I mean, this happens in my house every day. One of them's crying. Someone got hit with something and he did it. He's one year old. There's no way that he did that. How, that's impossible. There's no way that your baby brother caused this. It was definitely you. But as humans, we're always looking to pass the blame on to somebody else. Because it's a whole lot easier to do that than to own up when we aren't cutting the mustard, when we aren't doing what we should be doing. It's a whole lot easier to blame it on somebody else. And our big brother, Adam, started this game and he perfected this game. And I want to show you the very first example of the blame game all the way back in Genesis chapter three, Genesis chapter three. And so, as you know, God made this beautiful garden. Isn't it great? God made a garden for them to live in. And we're, and we're talking about a beautiful place. And you know the story. He said, listen, here's the rules. You can eat anything in here. You just take care of the garden, but just don't eat from this one tree. Okay? We've got millions of trees. Eat from any of them except one. And of course, our human nature is like, Gee, okay. I mean, first chance, the first chance they get, the, the devil comes and tempts them. And sure enough, they eat from that one tree. They blew everything and they only had one rule to follow. Don't eat from this tree. But they couldn't do it. And so uh, what happens is, you know, Eve is Eve, Eve eats the fruit. Adam's standing right there the whole time. He, he eats some of it. But Genesis chapter three and verse 12, because God says, what happened? I gave you one rule. You had one rule. What happened? Well, here's what Adam says. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and then I ate it. What had happened was that she had come in and gave me the fruit and then I had ate it. Listen, that's terrible. He blames his wife. Talk about a not manly thing to do. I mean, we just got to revoke his man card right there. You don't get a man card. If, if you, you were responsible for all this and then you gave in and then you're going to blame the lady for it. That is not cool. This is playing the blame game. And and so for all of us, though, we can, it's easy to look at Adam and say, I mean, yeah, that was low. Anybody could have done that. But we're all guilty of the blame game. Right. I mean, it's sure a lot of us, we blame other people, but then some of us, we blame the devil for our own stupid mistakes. And he had nothing to do with it that time. Now, a lot of times, yeah, the devil did it. The devil came in and, and did things. The devil, I mean, he's responsible for a lot, but he didn't make you eat five pounds of hot wings. You did that. You know what I mean? Well, oh, I feel terrible. That old devil got me again. No, he didn't. You did that. Don't blame him. And, and there's just, there, there comes a point in time when we have to examine our lives and say, you know what? That's my bad. I did that. I caused this to happen. And it's because I didn't obey God. It's because I didn't obey his word. But you're never going to get anywhere playing the blame game. And as we said already, blaming others is an epic sign of immaturity, especially when it comes to our spiritual life. Oh, I would read my Bible, but I mean, that guy over there, what does he have to do with you and your Bible? I'd go to church, but that really that's enough to keep you out of God's house. And you, you're not a mature, you're immature. That's something a little kid would say. Listen to me. We make excuses and we play the blame game. And that identifies where you're at spiritually really, really quick. 
It doesn't, it's not that hard to, to determine how spiritual and mature of a Christian you are if you go around blaming others all the time. I'm going to show you here uh, Proverbs chapter 28. Let's flip over there. Proverbs 28. Man, it's a good night to be at church, isn't it? Yeah. Proverbs 28. And we're going to look over here at verse 13. Now, you've probably heard this, that President Truman kept a sign on his desk that said, the buck stops here. And so that didn't matter if, you know, if it was somebody else's fault, he'd like, well, in the end, it'll be my fault. And I think that that would be an important thing for any adult. You know, if you're in charge of the family, if you're in charge, if you're the mom, you're the dad, whatever, you should be able to say the buck stops here. Yes, they did it. But hey, my bad. So, I, you know, just someone that can own up to, to their mistakes, man, that's a big deal. So Proverbs 28, 13 in the Living Bible, it says a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. That's pretty deep right there. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Who likes to get another chance when you don't do it right the first time? Another chance is a beautiful thing because most of the time I haven't got it right the first time around. It's taken me a few swings. But listen, it says right here that a man that can confess and forsake it, listen, he gets another chance at it. That's a good thing. We should be happy about that. But the first part of this, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. And I think it's so important for us you know, this isn't to put guilt on us. We aren't supposed to go around rehashing our mistakes and digging up ancient history on ourselves all the time. But if we blew it, admit it. Just admit it. And, and move on with life. Forsake it. Repent. Put it behind you and move on. But a, a mature adult has to own up to their mistakes and admit when they've blown it. And, uh, you know, my, you know, my dad, he, he would do that when we were kids. We were just talking about this, I think yesterday or something, but, you know, whenever he would, whenever he had made a mistake, he'd come, he'd gather all of us into the living room for a family meeting. Does anybody else have family meetings? We have family meetings right now. And that we seem to have them more and more lately. It's awesome. The kids love family meetings, but we get a family meeting. And so dad would call us in and say, listen, I fell short. I missed it. And so then he'd go through the room. Josh, I missed it. Will you forgive me? Yes, Daddy. David, will you forgive me? Yes, Father. Then he'd move on. And so we'd go, we'd go through the whole, uh, I mean, and then, but, but he would admit his mistakes. He would, he would forsake them. And I think that's something that we all need to learn that don't play the blame game. All right. Number two, don't make excuses for sin. Don't make excuses for sin. Amen. I heard that. Don't make excuses for sin. Because we all make mistakes, right? Anybody in here, you don't make mistakes. Okay. I make mistakes daily. You, I'm sure you do. And we all sin. I mean, I'm not, we know we're not, that's not our goal. It's not what we're setting out to do, but we are human beings and we do make mistakes. We do fall short of the glory of God sometimes, but this doesn't mean that it's okay and we shouldn't, you know, work on correcting those things. You know, I can't be a person that's full of rage and anger and, you know, violence and go out and beat somebody up. And, yeah, no one's perfect. <laughs> you want to go to lunch? Like, no, you got to own up to that and you better quit that. 
Because that's going to catch up to you, man. You can't live your life like that. And so it's one thing to sin because we all fall short. It's another thing to live a lifestyle of sin and it is not even you're not even trying to end that. You're not even making any attempt whatsoever to correct this thing. So we've all fallen short. We all we all don't, you know, always reach the mark. But the Christian thing to do, the mature thing to do is say, you know what? I missed it. But in the name of Jesus, I'm overcoming that and I am not going to do it again. But the person that's immature or carnal or not even saved, they're like, eh, that's just my thing. You know, we, we all got our one thing. That's my thing right there. And uh, eh, you know what? No one's perfect. We're all human. If that's your attitude towards sin, that is not a good attitude to have because that's it's going to catch up to you. You know what? Uh, the, the word does tell us that the Lord is uh, uh, quick to love. He's he's slow to anger. But he can't eventually get there. I mean, he's slow to get there, but he can't eventually get there. And we know that God is a God of mercy. Hallelujah. I thank God that his mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. But he's also a God of justice. And if you're going to go around doing the exact same thing every day, making absolutely no attempt, you have no remorse about it. You just, no, this is my thing, man. I beat people up. I cuss them out when I get mad. Everybody knows that. Eventually, you're going to meet the God of justice. And I'm just saying, you may not want justice. You may want mercy. And so it's good for us to rely and, 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 and to make some, uh, some attempt there to grow up and, and change from it. And so let's look at a very important verse here. Galatians 6, verse 5. Galatians 6, verse 5. Because if we're going to grow in the Lord, we've got to get to this place where we can own up to it. Galatians chapter six, verse five. And uh, I mean, this is a hardcore verse right here. Galatians six, verse five, it says this. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. We are each responsible for our own conduct. Now, sometimes, you know, some people are experts that, you know, I'll be responsible for his. But you need to you need to deal with you first. Right. What did Jesus say? He said, you've got to remove the log from your own eye before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye. Now, he didn't say to never help your friend with the speck in his eye, because a lot of people, they totally take that out of context. Jesus did say it's OK to help your friend with a speck in their eye, but you do need to deal with a log in your own eye first. Deal, get your stuff handled and then you can go help them. That's fine. But you got to deal with yourself first. And so we are each responsible for our own conduct. And I, I do know that we all have different areas that we struggle in. That is a very true thing right there. But when we stand before Jesus, do you think he's really going to say, eh, well, I know that you really struggle with lust, so. I can't hold you responsible for cheating on your husband or on your wife. Nobody's perfect. Come on into heaven, buddy. That was your area. Just come on in. No, you're going to own up to that, man. You better own up to it now and deal with it before Jesus has to deal with it. Amen. You know, when we take communion, it, talks, it tells us that we need to judge ourselves. We need to examine ourselves before we come to the Lord's table. And we take that really seriously around here. But I know this much. Just because you have a harder time in one area than maybe somebody else does, that doesn't mean you're exempt from the rules, right? 
Some people are like, well, I was just, and, and, you know, I was born with a tendency towards this. And, and okay, hey, maybe you were. But that doesn't mean you're allowed to do it. You know, maybe, you know, alcoholism runs deep into the sample's family roots. I don't touch that stuff, man. I don't even look at it because I'm not going to give place to the devil. There's not a chance in the world that I'm going to go anywhere near. That's destroyed generations of the sample's family. I don't touch in that junk. And so if you're born with a tendency towards something, listen, you are not exempt from owning up to it. You're not exempt from playing by the same rules that everybody else does. You are responsible for your own conduct. Ephesians 4.30. Let's look at that one. Galatians 6 was highly popular in this church. Let's look at Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30. And th- this verse, man, this is one that, wow, this one gets me every single time. Ephesians 4.30 is something to really look at. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 30, because we're, we're talking about being mature tonight. We're talking about being mature spiritually, having self-control, uh, not making excuses, not procrastinating. And that's, that's good advice for any area of your life, for sure. But you got to realize the most important part of you is the spiritual part of you. Okay? I know people are focused all day long on, you know, different areas of their life, and that's great, but... Uh, Listen, that's just one part of you, your body, your, you know, your emotions. That, that's just one part of you. And it's not even the most important part of you. Your spirit is the most important part of who you are. And some people will, will just spend hours and a day on, the, on their on the body or on the soul and listen and you give God 30 seconds, five minutes. It shouldn't be that way. Ephesians 430, it says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Oh, wow, that hurts every time I read it. Can you imagine that you were literally making God sad? You are bringing sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way you live your life. That's awful. I mean, I don't want to make anybody sad. I like I like to make people happy. But listen, the, the fact to even think that I could be bringing sorrow, tears, to the Lord Almighty, to, to Jesus, to God, to the Holy Spirit. I could bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit by the way I live. Well, why is that? Remember, He's identified you as His own. He identified you as guaranteeing that you'll be saved on the day of redemption. And so, that's just like when your kids are acting foolish and going crazy in the store. I mean, like, everyone knows that they're your kids, right? That makes you look bad. Hey, we've all been there. But But listen to me. It says... You can bring sorrow because he's identified you as his own. He has claimed you. He has said, this is my child. This is this is mine. That one right there is mine. And then you go out there acting crazy and foolish and, and living any old way. It brings sorrow, shame, embarrassment to God's Holy Spirit. That is that's an awful thing to consider. But it can happen and it has happened and it does happen. But I don't want to be the guy that's doing that. I do not want to, I don't want to get up there to heaven when it's my turn to stand before the Lord and say, wow, that was rough. I'm just going to be real. That was rough. That was, that was embarrassing. I mean, wouldn't that, you don't want to hear that when you get up there. You want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. But, uh, but, but it does matter how we live our lives here. Amen? Thank you. Number three, don't make excuses 
for laziness. No, we don't need to make excuses for laziness. And I'm judging myself right now. I've been parked in front of a fan for two days because the humidity hit Barstow. Okay, and it's been pure torture. But listen, we we got to we got to own up to it, man. We're big people here. We've got to handle business. Not only in this natural world, we still got to go to work. But listen, spiritually speaking, we cannot make excuses for being a lazy spiritual person. Some of the hardest working people naturally that I know are lazy spiritually. They'll work 16 hours a day for the almighty dollar. But then when it's time for church or, or, you know, time to read the Bible or pray, gosh, I'm tired, man. Oh, all right, you know, here, I'll just, well, I'll do this. You're willing to give the dollar 16, 20 hours a day, but not give God five minutes? Lazy. You're lazy. You're definitely not a disciple. Don't make, let's not preach that one again. That was two weeks ago. But, but seriously, don't claim to be a disciple if you can't even toss God that. But you will give the almighty dollar 16, 20 hours a day. I worked 100 hours last week. Bravo. Did you give God any of your time at all? Not impressed. I don't care if you worked 400 hours last week. I don't, I'm not impressed with that. If you didn't give God even any time at all whatsoever, that doesn't impress me. And it shouldn't impress you either. Okay. Proverbs 20 verse 4. Let's flip over there. Proverbs 20 verse 4. You're going to need to go get a milkshake at Carl's Jr. after this one. Just do it. Just go. I think a thick burger will help this out. Proverbs 20, verse 4. But, you know, we we can't make excuses for laziness, not in this natural world, but we're really trying to focus on the spiritual aspect of things right now. It doesn't matter how hard of a worker you are for money. If you if you can't give God anything of yourself, not good. Proverbs 20, verse 4 in the New King James, it says, The lazy man will not plow because of winter, but he will beg during harvest and have nothing. So this lazy guy made an excuse. It's cold outside. I can't get out there and plow right now. It's too cold. But then when the harvest comes, And everybody that did get up and go plow when it was cold, everybody that did get up and go work, everybody that did get up and put the effort and the time in to planting the seed, they reaped a harvest. Here it is. It's harvest season. And they've got their harvest. But the guy that was too lazy, not only did he not plant seeds when everybody else was out there doing it, but now he wants to eat your harvest. Listen, that's a that's a problem. That's not right, because everybody starts on a level playing field spiritually. Sometimes they're like, I mean, that's Kenneth Copeland right there. I mean, he's like the Michael Jordan of studying the Bible. He has an upper hand. No, he doesn't. That's Pastor Samples, man. You you realize that how he was just born with. No, we're all. In fact, the word tells us that when we're born again, we all receive the measure of faith. God gives us all the same thing. But some people, they just do a whole lot with that and they grow in their faith. They feed it. They work it out. They test it. They challenge it. And their faith grows. And then, yeah, man, they can move mountains. And then we have an anthill and we're sitting there crying like a baby. But that's not just because this guy, God liked him and just gave him a special endowment of faith that nobody else has. Nope. 
We all started on the exact same playing field. There's no privilege. There's no God likes him better. There's no favoritism. None of that. We all started the exact same. But this guy, he decided to get up early and read his Bible. He decided to get up. When it was cold, he decided to, to still go out and plant seeds. When it was inconvenient to serve the Lord, he still did it. And then harvest season rolls around. He has a 2,000 acre harvest and you've got three acres, but you could have had a 2,000 acre harvest. You could have had the exact same thing. You just, you were lazy. And listen, I've been lazy before. I've been lazy during planting season before at different times of my life. And then of course it's like, well, you know, Marcella, she's got all, she's got all these prayers in. That's no fair whatsoever. It's very fair. It's just. God is a God of justice. She memorized scripture. She came to church. She tithed. She did these things. And yeah, now she's reaped with a harvest and I'm not. And that's totally fair. I don't deserve a harvest because I was too lazy to plant seeds for a harvest. You don't reap what you want. You reap what you sow. Dr. Barclay says that because, hey, it'd be great if I just wanted to reap something that I didn't plant. I'd love to reap the seeds of, of Michael Jordan when it comes to I would love to just, you know, hey, I'm claiming it in. I'm calling it in right now, man. I am a baller. No, no, not going to happen. Nope, nope. I'm not willing to I'm not willing at this point in my life to go play basketball for 10 hours a day. I, I'm totally not willing to do that. I'm not even willing to go play two hours. I'm not willing to go to the gym right now. Listen, I'm not going to be Michael Jordan. I'm not going to be Lagon James. Listen to me. I'm not going to be one of those guys if I'm not willing to put that in. So Proverbs 26. Let's get over there. Proverbs 26. We're trying to get to this. Come on, somebody. Let's get there. Proverbs 26. We're talking about making excuses. Do I have any procrastinators in the house? Come on. There we are. There we are. Yeah. I know you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> See, some of you know that you are, but you're like, I'll get around to raising my hand later. Like, I'll get there. I saw this bumper sticker that was very inspirational. It said, procrastinators of the world unite tomorrow. Proverbs 26, verses 12 through 16 and listen, the book of Proverbs is full of good verses along these lines right here about being lazy, about procrastinating. But Proverbs 26, we're going to look here at verses 12 through 16. There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. Ain't that the truth? I know some real idiots that think they're like just genius. They're not. They're a moron. And, and you know, and, uh, you know, it sounds mean. But usually people that think they're all that, really, they're, they're, there's not a lot of hope for them. There's more hope for a fool than somebody that really thinks they've got it all together. Verse 13, the lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lion out there. And as a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Man, this is rough. Like, I, I can't go out there and, and do this. There's probably there could be a lion outside. There could be, in theory, I guess, maybe. I mean, it's not likely, but yeah, sure, there could be. But let's just take the chance that there's not. And you can leave your house and go to church. Leave your house and go to work. You can leave your house and go do something with yourself. But uh, the chances are you're not going to get mauled by a lion if you walk outside. Then there's the lazy person that just, they go, roll back and forth in bed, you know, because, hey, they don't want to get out. Lazy people 
take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Can you imagine that? Ugh. Ugh, just can't, just can't do it right now. I don't have it within me. That's lazy. That's lazy. And so, but the verse 16, lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. And I'm, you know, I'm studying that. I'm like, man, how could that be? But then I'm just, I'm just looking through my, uh, directory of, you know, people that I know in life. And I know a lot of people. Uh, and, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I, some people come to mind that I'm like, yeah, I, I know people like this. They really do think they're wiser than everybody else and they don't ever even do anything with their life. I know people that are experts at Googling things. Now, they don't ever actually go do any, you know, they, they don't know how to go do anything. But I mean, they'll they'll sit in their in their underwear all day long, Googling, playing video games. And then they've got all sorts of expert advice for you. OK, great. Have you ever actually done that? No, but I read about it uh one time when I was taking a break from my Xbox, I went over there and I Google and, and, and there's people they're lazy and they think they're really smart, but they don't ever actually do anything. Come on, am I right? Do you know anybody like that where they are? They, they think they're smarter than seven wise counselors, but really they don't know how to do anything. They just they'll Google it. They'll they'll search it out. And and that's. That's not right. That's not how we're supposed to be. And I like some of the George Washington Carver said. George Washington Carver said 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. That does not need to be our habit. In our regular life, but especially spiritually. Is our prayer life a complete failure? Well, it's probably because we make the excuse that we don't have time to study the Word. We don't have time for God's house. We, we can't afford to tithe. We can't afford to serve. We couldn't, we couldn't help this out. We, we couldn't do that. And listen, that's fine, but no wonder you're failing spiritually in so many areas. Because we make excuses. Now my finances are a wreck right now, and I, I don't I don't get it. Well, are you doing what God said to do with your finances? Uh, listen, just you do you. You examine your life, but we're just going to throw that out there right now because I need to get to point number four. Yes, there's a number four tonight. That's right. I was in a good mood earlier. All right, number four. Don't make excuses for not serving God. Don't make excuses. For not serving God. So we've said don't make excuses for being lazy. Don't make excuses for procrastinating. But, but listen, don't make excuses for not serving God. No, listen, you don't have to serve God. It's your choice. Now, I highly recommend you do it because it's going to turn out a whole lot better for you. But if you're not going to do it, then just listen. Don't make excuses. Just say, hey, I like money more than God, so I'm going to go serve money. Or, hey, I like fun more than God. I'm going to go have fun. Just, but, but for the love of everything holy, don't make excuses about it. Just go do what you're gonna do. You know, I, it's, it's incredible to me, and, and we, we've talked about this, but it's incredible, and it's, it's sad, looking back through church history, how much more dedicated 
women have been than men in the history of of the church. Not this high desert word center, but I'm talking about and I'm just throwing this out there for all of us to consider today, especially the men that men, we we cannot be lazy when it comes to our Christianity, when it comes to our faith. And ladies, you can't be either. But traditionally speaking, this has been just a, a crazy uh, a thing. And, and I've even studied church attendance records back to the Middle Ages. Seriously, I have back to the 1500s. And it's insane that even 500 years ago, when men outnumbered women in the population, women slightly outnumber men in the overall population of the earth right now. But back then, there was more living men than women. And even back then, the attendance was astounding how many more women went to church than men. I'm like, why is that? Because a lot of men, they're hard workers. They'll, they'll again, they'll go risk their life for to to be funny. They'll risk their lives to go. You know, I was watching a show yesterday about guys uh, uh, snowmobiling over open water just to see if they can make it to the other side. We'll do things like that. We'll put time into that. We'll see how you know how high we can climb onto something without killing ourselves. We'll do stuff like that, but then won't go to church. Won't read our. Why is that, men? We've got to step it up. And, and, you know, and ladies, you know, we've got to do that, too. You've got to do that. We cannot get lazy spiritually and then say, I, I mean, I listen. Yes, the word. I understand the word is it. That's where my victory is found. What verse are you standing on? Uh, uh, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. You're standing on that for your finances. Yeah, I cry every time I look at No, that's not standing on the word. If you're not going to put the time in when it's planting season, you're not you're going to be asking me for my harvest. You're going to be asking somebody, hey, can I can I borrow some of that? I just. uh, Yeah, but where were you when we were all planting out there earlier this year? As uh, there was a line, I, there could have been a line out on the road. Uh, it was cold. It was winter. And so I didn't feel like it. And the game was on. And and listen. Do what you're going to do, man, but do not make excuses and don't bum everybody else's harvest when you have the exact same opportunity to do it. Second Corinthians 510. Let's do this. Second Corinthians 510. I heard of one church that had a no excuse Sunday. I'm thinking about doing that. A no excuse Sunday. And so here's what they did. They, they tried to eliminate any excuse that people could have for, uh, you know, for not for not uh Take the Lord's house seriously. So for those who were always too tired for church, they provided beds in the back. Just 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 come. We'll even let you sleep in a bed. Just still come to the Lord's house. I'm like, wow, okay. For those who always felt too sick or just didn't feel up to it, they hired an ER doctor to be on standby to treat your ailments whenever you want, just because, you know, you may get too sick. Uh, for those that are always just, you know, they're too hungry, they couldn't, they couldn't go by, they offered free food for the day. You just go to the back and get some anytime you feel like you need some. Uh, uh, for those that couldn't make it just because the big game was on TV that day, listen, you come to church, we'll even put a TV in the back for you. And you can just go back to just, just find yourself in the Lord's house. On They, they covered every possible excuse that people make. For not taking God seriously. And guess what? Those people still didn't come. They still didn't come. Why? Because they're full of excuses. Because when you boil it down, 
the excuse isn't your real reason for not obeying God. It's a heart issue, right? It's because you don't feel like it because money or whatever, entertainment, uh, whatever the case is, okay? Whatever the case is. But the excuse is not our reason. And I'm guilty. You're guilty. We're all guilty. I'm guilty. Okay? We're all guilty. But it's not the excuse. It's a heart issue. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so, who did it say has to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? All of us. Every one of us has to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to answer according to what we've done, whether good or bad. So we are going to give an account for our life, especially spiritually, for what we've done. And so, I mean, that's just something to consider whenever we're uh, living our daily lives. Like, I okay, that's fine, but I am going to have to talk to God about this at some point. And I may have to do it face to face someday. And that's really something to consider when we're living our lives day by day. What's that conversation going to be like? Well, you know, we'll see. But I do know this much. When we serve the Lord in this life, when we give it all to him, when we sacrifice for God, it says, listen, there are awards. There's crowns that are going to be given to us when we stand before the Lord. And we're like, well, that sounds selfish. Why do I want those? It's not for you, man. It's so you can have something to present to Jesus when you come to his throne. Now, there's going to be a lot of people, millions of people standing around the throne of God worshiping. And that's great. But not everybody's going to have something to give to Jesus. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to go into the throne room of God and say, Jesus, I've got this for you. I've got I, I want to just want to lay this. To, I, I, I want to give this and offer this to you. I love you. Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to have some to not show up to the throne room empty handed? Hey, I made it. Like, we're really glad you're there. That's huge. That's so important that you're there. But it's nice when you show up to the party to have something to give to the one that it's all about. Amen. And so I'd love to show up with just an armful of, of things to just Jesus, these are for you, man. I'm giving these to you. I'm going to lay down these at your feet and tell you how much I love you. And so, listen, I w- not everybody's going to be able to do that. I want to be able to do that. And I know that if I am willing to sacrifice in this life, and what some of us are like, well, that's pretty cool. You have no idea how cool it will be. You don't even begin to comprehend how cool it will be to be in the presence of Jesus Finally, face to face, we have, finally, we get to put a face to our faith. We get to put an image to this one that's been there with us every second of every day for our entire life. We finally get to see him and we get to give him something and lay it down at his feet and tell him how much we love him. There's no amount of money in this world that is that that that's worth not getting to do that for there's there's nothing in this world i promise you that can compare to giving jesus something face to face and so i'm challenging us tonight if it's hit close to home and you say i've been a little lazy i always make excuses i always procrastinate when it comes to my spiritual life listen hey 
There's no condemnation to you. But let's just check it out. Maybe we could examine ourselves and say, I know I can start doing better than this. I know I could lay some things to the side that may seem important right now, but 100 years from now, I'm not going to care about that. Probably 10 years, 5 years from now, I won't even care about this anymore. Listen, don't be a lazy Christian. Be willing to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. Amen? We are out of time, so I need to shut up. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.